you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us on this, uh, as some people refer to it, Friday Eve. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And J-Mac and Sherry B are on tap as well, helping us navigate the show today. We are encouraging you in more ways than one to be vigilant. We're going to have a conversation about um, protecting your kids. We're constantly, I feel like constantly um, trying to encourage parents and grandparents to protect the next generation. We're talking about the carriers of the gospel. Yeah. And I think when you think of your kids in that sense, it gives you a different take on the level of vigilance mm -hmm. that is required to actually protect that investment. I mean, the, the proliferation of the gospel always intended, always had in its purview, always had as its sort of unspoken expectation mm -hmm. that it would proliferate first in your family. Yeah. I don't know how we lost that, like how we thought that we did not, as the parents in any given generation, have the responsibility of getting the gospel intact to our kids first. Mm. I mean, it's it's it just it, it boggles my mind. But it, it at some point became normalized in the Christian experience in America. And um, anyway, what I'm saying is we need to stop it. And, and each parent needs to undertake the task the expected uh, living experience that is sharing the faith once for all received. <laughs> we need to take the responsibility yeah. of sharing that with our kids. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, but before we do that, I know we want to make an announcement because we have another date night coming up next month. Um, yes. September 21st. 20th. Yes. It's Thank you. September 20th, <laughs> 630 to uh, 830. It's going to be in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, at the Carl Grant Events Center uh, at Union University. And so go to marriagefamilylife.net right now and register. We need you to register. It's a free event, just like all the other other um, date nights. But we have to get you to register because we need to know how many people are, co are coming. And uh, so the dress, as usual, is, ca is casual. Make sure you're comfortable. But it's September 20th uh, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., in Jackson, Tennessee, just go to marriagefamilylife.net to register and get more information. Okay, so let's let's talk here um, before because we have a guest coming up in our second segment. We're going to talk about um, a a company that is really um, working to help parents be mm -hmm. more vigilant and protect their kids. I'm kind of excited um, about certain aspects of what this company offers. I don't think that we've had protection like this before. Um, we'll talk about that uh, yeah. in just a little bit. But before we do that, I want to share a quick story okay. and then um, kind of talk around that a little bit. Okay. Um, I received the Hobby Lobby story. Yes. And of course, I was quite disturbed by that. Yeah. Um, you know, the question is, um, you know, how, how do you lift 
like 200 pounds, right? How do you lift 200 pounds? Well, you have to start by like lifting 10, mm-hmm. 15, work your way then 20. Up. You have to work your way up, mm-hmm. right? And I think that is what we're going to see in the United States of America with Christians. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be you get to the moment, and we've been saying this in so many different ways, but it really is just the same message. You're not going to get to the moment and then decide, you know, I'm not doing it. Yeah, It's going to be that you have had a series of I'm not doing it along the way. Mm-hmm. Now, what is unfortunate is that for Christians in America, we've been really, really comfortable for a long time. So to be in a place where we've had to declare what we're not going to do is not normal for us. But I want to encourage you, normalize it. Mm. Now, some of the conviction that we have not had is because it's not been built by being steeped in the word of God. It it could very well be said that we've had opportunities to resist. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But we have not known those opportunities because we have not found ourselves engaging the word of God on a regular basis. And therefore, therefore, without that engagement, everything just seems to be OK. But for the person who visits with the Lord on a regular basis, I guarantee you there are moments just in your normal life, things you don't even have to post about. Just in your normal life where you have made kind of these lines in the sand and you've said, you know what, we're not we're not doing that. Our family's not doing that. We're not going here. We're not going to allow this. We're not doing that with our kids. You've had those moments. Those moments all lead up to like the big, quote unquote, moments that happen in the culture that to the person who's involved, the pressure might be greater. But for them, it's not like this. Oh, my goodness, this overwhelming. It's like, no, I just I've been resolute for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I've been resolute for a long time. Here's the story. And then we want to talk about um, building up your vigilance, right? Okay. Um, so Hobby Lobby was fined $220,000 for requiring a transgender woman. This is a man. This is a man. For requiring a man who believes he's a woman mm-hmm. to use a unisex restroom <laughs> in their store. Yeah. This is one of their employees. Okay. Here's the story. Hobby Lobby violated an Illinois anti-discrimination law when it prohibited a biological male employee who identifies as female from using the women's restroom um, An appeals court ruled. OK, the unanimous decision by a three judge state appeals court panel upheld a ruling by the state's Human Rights Commission, which had fined Hobby Lobby two hundred twenty thousand dollars and ruled the company violated the Illinois Human Rights Act. When in East Aurora, Illinois, the store prohibited a man calling himself Megan Somerville, okay, from using the women's restroom. The store instead allowed him to use a unisex restroom. I want to say, I w- <laughs> let me tell you something. I have a problem here because the story that I'm reading to you mm-hmm. comes from ChristianHeadlines.com. Uh, and in this story, they use a female pronoun to refer to pronouns. this man. Yeah. Guys, that's see, see, right? Look, okay. So that's one. That's five pounds. That's, that's yeah, that, ten yep, pounds. That's giving an inch. And, you see yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. going to be your lifting of your fifteen or twenty pounds. Okay, right. so you're building up to your two fifty. Right. And and these these are the moments where we actually because it's like mm, I don't know we we drop it, we drop it, and then we just give in. And and you know to the casual observer, this might just be totally fine because this is what is now called the new journalistic standards. Hmm. Well. Um, either I can't be a journalist or I'll take whatever repercussions come with this. Right. But a man is a man. I have to agree with God. Right. Right. Look, we were talking to our kids in our fellowship about this. I know you guys hear us mention this a lot, but this is because we live real life because mm. we live real life. 
And we're committed to equipping our kids to stand in this generation and the generation to come. We're committed to, to equipping our kids to say no to ungodliness, to deny themselves, to be willing to put their lives on the line for the cause of Christ. Amen. And guess what? This is normal for previous generations in other countries. Normal. But we, for us, it's kind of like superstardom. It's like, oh my goodness, like it makes headlines <laughs> because, because it's not been an ordinary part of our life to live as committed Christians. Well, no longer. You're at the point now where this should just be, this is just it. It's just your every day. So we were talking to our kids about the pressures that they will face in the culture. They're facing them right now, facing these pressures right now. And we were asking them how they might stand against these pressures. And then here's a question that we asked them. And I encourage parents and grandparents to throw these types of questions out to your kids and to your grandkids to ensure that they really understand why they are convicted, that they're not just giving the answer that they think you want them to give, but that it's truly their conviction. Yeah. So if you tell somebody that you're not going to use their preferred pronouns, what biblical defense do you have for that? Do you say that because your parents tell you not to do that? Do you have a biblical conviction from which you are to draw so that when you stand on the line, it is not a line that someone else has drawn for you. Mm -hmm. It is the, is the line that the Lord himself has laid down for all of us. It's not a sliding scale. It's not a moving line. It's not my truth versus your truth. It is the truth. And so then our kids began to rattle off the scriptural support for why they would not use a person's preferred pronouns. Guys, this is basic. This is, this is our youth training, but I am more and more convinced every single day mm -hmm. that adult followers of Christ need this type of training. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, definitely. This is, I mean, you know, this, this is not just, you know. <laughs> no, because right. there's a lot of people who are shaky on, on this issue. Come you on. know, there, there's a lot of people that would be um, coerced or, you know, talk into using those pronouns and, and feel like, they're showing hospitality, Hospita you know, okay. <laughs> and, you know, so from the young to the old, I think we need to uh, address this issue because we know that there are young kids who are being faced with it. Six years old, seven years yes. old, yes. being faced with, you know, having to know what is right, what is wrong. How Amen. should I, you know, uh, talk about this or whatever. And, and so we can't even we can't even take for granted that someone who's older knows what to say about That's this right. stuff. Like we, That's right. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to call, look, let me, you, you've got to, you've got to say it. Yeah. You've got to say it. Like, I'm not, I mean, I, it is, it is, uh, it's ridiculous to me. And, and dare I even say it's hateful to me to say that you could call yourself hospitable while making someone comfortable on their way to hell, mm. on their way to destruction. Like how, how is that hospitality? How is that hospitable? You know, to make someone comfortable on their way to destruction. I just, I don't, I don't know how to reconcile that. But back to the ChristianHeadlines.com article. The $220,000 was to cover Somerville's emotional distress and attorney's fees. The emotional distress is that the man was told that he should use a unisex restroom rather than the women's restroom at his place of employment, which happened to be Hobby Lobby. The emotional distress is that the man cannot have access to the bathroom for the women. <laughs> so who pays fees for the emotional distress of the women when the man can gain access to the women's bathroom and they are there? Exactly. Who, who covers that? 
Exactly. Somerville was hired back in 1998 and began transitioning in 2007, wearing female clothes and undergoing medical treatment. The Illinois Human Rights Act prohibits discrimination based on gender identity and employment and public accommodations. Now, you, Guys, <laughs> it's nigh our dwelling. Mm. Do you understand? And, and this is why, you know, we have said recently here, where you're convicted, remain convicted. What is happening collectively in our culture mm-hmm. is a slow and yet steady erosion of people's personal convictions. So many people are running headlong. They are freely willing to give up any type of personal autonomy where they say, no, you know, I'm, I answer to the Lord here. I'm, and, and, and this is what, you know, I, I, I'm just not, I, I don't have a piece about that. Yeah. A lot of people don't have a piece about stuff when they're asked to do things like, you know, help somebody move into their house. <laughs> oh, I don't just, I just don't have a piece about that. But, you know, cultural yeah. issues, yeah. they're silent. Man. They're silent as if God is silent. God is not silent on no, these issues that we're facing. Speaking very loudly. <laughs> and consistently. Yeah, definitely. But we have shut up our ears. We've shut up our ears. So here we go. Hobby Lobby's conduct, quote, Hobby Lobby's conduct falls squarely within the definition of unlawful discrimination under this act as it treats Somerville differently from all other women who work or shop at its store solely on the basis of this is a quote solely on the basis that her I'm quoting here gender identity is not traditionally associated with her quote designated sex at birth guys all of that is spiritual language man come on all of that is spiritual language that is not rooted in fact that is not rooted in biology that is not rooted in anything concrete and let me tell you so many far too many christians have normalized this type of indoctrination that now you just echo it you are in take me to your leaderville Your eyes are those swirls. It's just, you know, we and, and, and you understand what I'm yeah. saying? Oh, yeah. And we don't even feel anymore. And, and why? It's because of what you were talking about yesterday. Will the greatness because we're not praying. Mm. People who pray know their God. People who are reading the word of God know their God. They're beholding their God daily. And so the things that they won't do in culture are not the things that they just feel like, oh, that makes me uncomfortable. The things that they won't do in culture, the things that they're like, I cannot. That's right. I cannot do these things. My conscience convicts me that this would be in rebellion against God. All right. Be vigilant. We're here, saints. We're here. We are here. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. And I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without you. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Jason Nelson. We're nothing without without you. The things that you are going to do for your children in American culture, in 21st century American culture, 
are going to be shocking and astonishing to the world as it looks on. Mm. But for people who know their God and who understand holiness, who understand protecting their kids, one of the things that Will the Great and I often fall back on when we talk about actively discipling our kids and Mm -hmm. actively training them, that is what we're doing. We're not just, you know, just raising them. Right. Like that. I mean, that's a great thing to do. Right. It's great to feed them. It's great to house <laughs> them. It's great to water them. Do you say water kids? Like, I don't know what you do. I mean, it's great to do it all of those things. More than that. Right. But we are actively oh, discipling our kids. And let me tell you something. This is what we have gone back to over and over again. And the moments when it's rough in the moments when they're all the groans because you tell them, no, they cannot do this. Or you tell them, no, we're not going here or we're no longer going to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, we're real people. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, and and as the culture changes and you seem to exist in a culture where overwhelmingly parents are not parenting. So it Mm -hmm. seems like what you're doing is extra. It's because you're among people where, you know, they're not parenting. Right. But here is what we say over and over and over again. And this is what keeps us holding on. Right. This, among other things. But one, God has entrusted these children to us and he expects us to deliver them back to him useful. Mm hmm. We are trying to raise our kids to be useful for God. Does God have use for your kids? Oh, yeah. Does, I mean, come on. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, and so, so what we're going to talk about today, I want you to filter this through the conversation of, um, or through the, filter this through the lens of how do we protect our kids so that they are useful to God. We are Mm. preserving our kids in a culture where remember what we talked about. Remember what the apostle Peter said, that when you look at what's going on in this world, um, first Peter chapter four, verse four, talking about the debauchery and the sensuality and all the passions and the, uh, the drunkenness and the idolatry and the orgies and all of these things going on around us. Okay. What did the apostle Peter say? And then we're going to go to our guests and get right into it. Uh, First Peter chapter four, verse four, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them hmm. in the same flood of debauchery <laughs> and they malign you. They malign you. Yeah. So again, remember, we're not using the starting point of like everybody's doing this. Nobody cares. You can't do anything. We're we're starting from the place of man. God has entrusted our kids to us and he's called us to be vigilant. So let's continue talking about that. We have a guest with us today. Matt Gore is senior director of strategy and operations um, at the tech company um, Canopy. And we're going to talk about Canopy when. okay. so I learned about Canopy from you, Will the Green. Yeah, Yeah. And the more you described it to me, the more I thought, I don't think we have any other company that is doing what they do. At least I've not had it described to a, me that it, it way. It may be a couple. Um, I'm okay. not sure. Okay. Um, but what they do is very, very needed. You know, it's, it yes. goes beyond the filter, you know. That's what I'm and, talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, and it's deeper than that. So I, we, we'll talk about that. But I want to get into it. Yeah. I really do because yeah. I think that parents are going to be as blessed to learn about this company as we were blessed to learn about this company. Matt, thank you so much for joining thank us today. So I appreciate it. Today. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Okay, so let's do okay, this. Okay, so let's um, do this. Um, I give, I'm getting an I echo. Give, I'm here. getting an echo here. Is it ready on? Is it ready on, Matt? Um, let me see here. I can y'all. Are you still getting an echo? It was only one. It was spoke. only one we spoke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we still getting an echo. Yeah, we still getting an echo. Okay. Let me let me try something else real fast. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to set up what the problem is in culture, and then I want to talk about Canopy's unique position 
to address that problem. Because mm-hmm. so often we think that we know all of the things that are happening. We think we know all of the ways that our kids can be adversely affected by yeah. technology. But um, unfortunately, what we are discovering is that our kids are way more tech savvy than we are. Mm-hmm. I was talking mm-hmm. to a friend um, a few weeks ago who revealed to me that she thought she was monitoring her <laughs> kids online life. Um, and what she discovered was that her kid mm-hmm. had some things running in the background, quote unquote, mm-hmm. running in the back mm. in the background where he was being bullied and told that he should kill himself. And she had no idea. Mm. So among other things, um, technology is really working against uh, Christian efforts to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Yeah. yeah. OK, I, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I first off, again, thank you all for having me on. Yeah. And I think what, what you highlighted earlier is so good, which is that so many parents um, are being really light or they're being, having a really light touch mm. with what they're doing with their kids online. And so sometimes it can feel like you are the you're, you're the difference. You're the you're the strange one as a parent. If you're actually engaged with your kids digital life mm-hmm. and we think it can it be that it's actually super important for parents to be involved in their kids' digital lives because their digital lives are their lives, right? Yeah. Teenager social life is happening online. <laughs> it is. And so as a parent, if you're not engaged with what they're doing online, I'm not sure you're engaged with what your with, with what your child is doing. And that's mm-hmm. just so important to really be engaged there. Let's talk a little bit, Matt, here. Let's talk a little bit about what our kids are experiencing. You know, we can be as careful as we can, but I I think that we are kidding ourselves when we think that um, because we have removed certain apps from their devices or from their phones, or we think that, you know, it's they don't have data and all of these other things that we think we're doing a great job. um, There's still things happening that we're not aware of, correct? Yes. The bottom line is that um, is that the bottom line is that there's just a lot of bad material out there and that it doesn't take a bad kid to go looking for something for a child to see something. Nowadays, there's so much bad content on the Internet that good kids accidentally see things. So mm. one stat that I, I just saw recently that was really haunting is that 70 percent of seven to 18 year olds had seen pornography on accident. Mm-hmm. often while doing things like doing their homework, mm-hmm. right? We're going back to school. seems like all the schools now, they're giving kids computers, they're giving mm-hmm. them um, tablets, and yep. it's just really hard to avoid this stuff now. And so kids can be doing things like good kids can be doing their homework, and boom, they accidentally see something that they weren't looking for. So it's not really a matter of do you trust your kids? It's like, man, I uh, one, one mom we talked to said, I trust my kids, but I don't leave drugs lying around on the kitchen counter. Right. There are some things that are simply dangerous. You have to take proactive steps to take care of your kids. How can we understand the difference in the way our kids engage technology and the way we engage technology? Our kids are really, as you said, it's it's their life, essentially. But they really are immersed in this culture that is sort of like it is a different world. In fact, we used to use terms like technology native, right? Like that that you Mm -hmm. have kids who all they've ever known is technology. And for us, myself included, I'm 42. I would not at all call myself a technology native. I remember, you know, typing in zeros and ones in my computer class, like things like that. But we Mm -hmm. are raising a generation of kids, maybe the second generation of kids, where all they know is technology, so it creates a different world for them. It is a totally different word, world. 
if you're growing up today, um, I mean, your your friendships are started online. A lot of times they're forged online. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're absolutely right that it is just, it's a different world that kids are experiencing. And I think that as parents, it's, it's something that's so important is just to be empathetic with mm-hmm. your kids about these issues. Because I mean, being a teenager is hard. Being a teen, being the first generation of teenagers to grow up with a smartphone in your pocket mm-hmm. must be exhausting, yeah. right? Yeah. So like we can't look to our parents and say, what you know, what did grandma do? Like, right. did, was she wise about how she used a phone? We don't know. Right. Right? Right. She, did, right. she didn't grow up with a phone, and so just you know, maybe you can say, hey, when when I snuck out as a teenager, my parents did this and it worked or it didn't work. I can draw on that wisdom. This is a new ball game. And so for, for parents to just be empathetic with kids saying, man, you're facing new challenges. And also for parents to be a little bit kind to themselves, right? It's a hard problem to solve. And this is the first set of parents to ever try to solve it. So of course it's hard. Of course you have to be countercultural and you'll make some mistakes, but it's so important to really be engaged and be really trying some things, right? Yes. Well, let's, let's talk about mm-hmm. that. Let's talk about trying some things first. Um, Tell us what Canopy is. Canopy is a digital parenting app. I think of it as a really common sense, very technologically advanced tool for parents, right? You wouldn't let your child come into the house uh, with a stack of Playboys, but parents all over the world are letting their their kids come into the house with an unfiltered iPhone. Well, that's not just the same thing. The unfiltered iPhone is much, much worse. And so parents need to take proactive steps. So what what is Canopy? Canopy is an app. You install it on your child's phone. um, And it gives you, the parent, the ability to do some really basic things to keep your kids safe. It's the world's best uh, internet filter. So it blocks pornography that other filters miss, which is so important because of how much there is out there. It also can help look on a kid's phone. And if there are any inappropriate images on there, it can help prevent the kid from sending it anywhere. Right. So that can help mm. stop sexting. Wow. Yes. Which is, I want to stay here. My mind. Yes. Let's, yeah. let's talk about this because I read the article that you wrote mm-hmm. um, that, that, you know, this is a problem and parents are going to have to discuss this with their children. I'm hoping, mm. um, well, two things, two things. One, I want to back up to something you said, because this is something that was fascinating to me, even as Will the Great was sharing it with me. So so your app will catch things that other filters miss. Can we kind of yep. like unpack that? Because I think that there may be some parents listening who say, OK, well, we already have like apps. We already have something to protect our kids. We think mm. we have enough. What really sets Canopy apart? Well, so one of the strange parts about my job is that I have to get really good at getting around internet filters. Yes. So I can sit, give me, give me an internet filter, any internet filter. Chances are I can find some bad stuff in about 10 minutes. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it takes me a minute or two. Why? Well, I'm, I'm not as smart as your average 16 year old at 2 AM really trying to make a bad decision. Right. Mm. Those. So the bottom line is that most of the filters out there have workarounds. And I'm not talking about super sophisticated workarounds. Often we're talking about pretty simple workarounds. So that's the first thing is that a lot of other filters have workarounds that Canopy works really hard to stop all those workarounds. So that's Mm -hmm. the first thing. The second thing is that the way we block stuff is very different. Other filters have a long list of bad websites. That's super helpful and takes care of a lot of bad stuff. Mm -hmm. But what Canopy does is it starts there 
But then we also have an artificial intelligence algorithm that actually looks at the images that get downloaded to a phone over the browser and says, does that involve nudity or not? Right. Mm. So that means that a website, a, 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 maybe you're on, you know, let's see, maybe you're on um, a website that otherwise is t- perfectly innocent. Mm-hmm. But what Canopy can do is it can look at that one image that might be bad, that might involve nudity and can say, oh, no, that's not okay. And we just remove it. Which is which is which feels magical when you're using it. It blows um, my is mind. It, I'll, yeah, you can have two phones side by side. One has a nude image, the other one doesn't, and they're on the same website. So because it removes we just the, and removed. the image. It removes the image. Yeah. Wow. So now it blocks the whole website. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. It blocks a whole website if it's a really bad website. But maybe there's one example we always use. It's a blog and it's a perfectly innocent blog. Right. Mm-hmm. But it just has a, a photo, just one photo that involves some nudity that's mm-hmm. not yes. appropriate. Mm-hmm. We let the kid read the blog. Mm-hmm. It's about biking in Australia. It's so fun. It just has a right. nude photo in it that's unnecessary. <laughs> yes. So then the kid can still experience the internet, right? They can still yes. run wild and explore and have fun and learn things and be a kid, but just not have the downside of seeing that image that could lead to some bad things. Yeah. Okay. So this is what I really wanted to to drive home because as I was listening to this, I thought this just seemed like a no brainer. I wanted to hear more about it. I'm so excited that we get to talk to you because I run into this problem even when I want to send stories to Will. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like I'm like, I Mm want to send him this new story because I want us to talk about it. But then I go, you know what? I'm not sending this because look at down on the right pane over here. (laughs) There are all of these pictures and I'm going, I'm not going to do that to my husband. I'm not going to do that to anyone. So what Canopy does is Canopy allows for the story to still be sent, but it would block the image it would remove the image from the story it removes images that have full nudity on them and so you know it can catch that stuff that's problematic and remove it but yeah you can still read it right and that's yeah. that's important now there's some stuff for instance um let's take a, a an erotic novel like 50 shades of gray okay well mm-hmm. it's not it's not helpful that's not research <laughs> right, right. right. so we, we block you know there's no images there but we still block that yeah um, and so there's kind of a threshold um, that we really look for to, to make sure, again, because the, the purpose is not to block things. The purpose is to give an awesome internet experience, a sandbox where kids can build things and explore and where, where even adults, right? I have canopy on my phone where I can do things that are good on the internet without having all the downside of, man, oh, man, I accidentally saw what? Oh, man, yeah. I, I didn't want that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you mentioned, you kind of alluded to this, and I, I want to go back to it. Um, sexting among our young people. Uh, unfortunately, I thought that this was sort of like a passing fad, if you will. I, I mm. thought, you know, maybe we talk about this and then you bring attention to it. Um, but then kids are going to wise up and they're going to stop doing this. It's not going to happen when they realize that, man, there are serious repercussions. But that's not what we're discovering. What we're discovering is that not only are kids sexting, but we find a connection between sexting and depression and suicidal ideation talk about that a little bit yeah well it's man it's it's shocking so first just quickly to define it because i know some people out there they try to avoid looking at the bad stuff but that's just sexting is is talking dirty or sending photos nude photos over text message Mm -hmm. and what's amazing is how prevalent it is among the kids um, so one in four has sent, has received a nude image. One, one in four. seven has sent one, wow. according to one study. But another study found that 52% of college kids reported that they had sexted as minors. 
So this wow. is just wildly prevalent. We could talk about how to um, about how to fight back against it after the break. Yeah, let's grab this break. Thank you so much for recognizing that, Matt. All right, Matt Gore is our guest. I don't know that I've ever had anyone say that. Uh, Senior Director of Strategy and Operations at Canopy on his game, helping us out. We're going to grab the break, and we're going to be right back. Addison's on American Family Radio. Really appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will and Zach Williams, Chain Breaker. Matt Gore is our guest uh, today, Senior Director of Strategy and Operations at Canopy. Mm-hmm. Um, last month, Matt wrote an article where he talked about sexting and the effects that it has on kids. And in that article, he wrote a shocking two-thirds of girls ages 12 to 18 have been asked to send nude pictures of themselves mm-hmm. now i want to say this th- that is that is shocking yeah but as he continues here i find this more shocking that sexting is now a common part of committed relationships, of relationships. yeah and even a flirting that that is now just yeah. sort of an expected norm and and i think that parents had best try to wrap their brains around that to really understand the severity of where we are met yeah. thank you so much for sticking around we appreciate it yeah absolutely Okay, so we were talking about sexting before we went to the break, and you promised when we got back that you would talk about um, not only the problem, kind of expanding it, but then how Canopy gets around this. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what Canopy does is it really tries to protect kids from being exploited, right? Yeah. And, and I think one thing that just really makes me sad is, is the FBI talks about how much um, – child sex abuse material, child pornography, is actually mm-hmm. self-generated. Is In other words, it's kids taking pictures of themselves um, and then that leaking out there, right? Mm-hmm. So this is something that we're not just worried about um, sort of teenagers who are dating. It's also about predators, right, and protecting kids. Mm-hmm. And how, how Canopy really jumps in to protect kids is that we use that same artificial intelligence that we use to find pornography on the internet we scan photos that kids take and store on their device. Mm-hmm. And what, how it works a little bit different on every device, but the bottom line is that when a, if a kid takes a photo, it's inappropriate. Um, Canopy can find it and detect it. And it says, hey, you know, do you want to delete this photo right now? Wow. Or do you want to send it to your parents for approval, right? <laughs> if, you think this, if you think this is okay, <laughs> why don't we send it to mom? And have a conversation. Wow. Right? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Trying, <laughs> because what we're trying to do is not just, I mean, we never want to replace parents with technology, right? Mm-hmm. We can't, a good, good code can't do that. Mm-hmm. But what code can do, what, what an app can do like Canopy, is it can help parents have awkward but so important conversations. Yeah. It can help parents do the same thing they do in the real world and the digital world too. 
This is unbelievable to me because what it also does is it provides sort of like um, training wheels for our kids' consciences, right? Like it it allows Mm. them the opportunity to take a second thought about what they're doing and Mm -hmm. the way they're using technology, which we know that before the age of 25, frankly, their brains are just not fully developed. Like they don't understand or even think about the long-term effects of what they're doing. And I'm wondering if you've... um, put any thought into how this emotionally impacts a kid, even if a kid is not exposed. Like, and and when I say exposed, I mean, they send a photo and maybe that photo is not posted online or it's not shared among friends, because I Mm. think the obvious effects of that, we can all understand, right? The humiliation, the shame, and then maybe the necessity of having to change schools or, you know, all of those things. Mm. But what about the weight of understanding that someone has this ever hanging over your head that whenever they decide they can just post it or share it, that's got to cause emotional distress in our children, right? Absolutely. I mean, have you have you ever sent an email that you you know you really ask for something or you're a little bit nervous about how the person res- respond, right? Mm-hmm. And how like that sense of fear. Yes. I mean, imagine yeah. that turned up a thousandfold because the mm. photo of yourself and you're 13, <laughs> right? How terrifying would that be? Even if it's reciprocated, even if it's never shared. But that moment, oh man, I'm just, I was surprised <laughs> that only, I think it's, uh, I think it's somewhere around 60% mm-hmm. of teenagers who sexed report um, anxiety. I mean, I, I'm amazed that it's not much higher than that. Right, frankly. right. Um, right. And so they're just, man, that sounds like the most, <laughs> that sounds like, it sounds horrifying to yeah. me. It yes. sounds so, so anxiety inducing. So Absolutely. that's, that's one thing, but something else that's a little bit more subtle, but I think is really, uh, is scary is the way that it's not just sexting, but there are things that are less than that, right? If, if you spend um, any time on a place like TikTok or Instagram, you'll see how um, kids showing a little bit more skin gets a lot more reaction, mm-hmm. right? It gets a lot more likes, a lot mm-hmm. more watches, a lot more views. Mm-hmm. And so what something that concerns me uh, just as a human is thinking, wow, we're training kids how to sexualize themselves, how to show wow. more skin, how yep. to expect that the um, the more they, f- they throw themselves out there, the more of a positive reaction they're going to get. Mm-hmm. And so wow. what maybe starts there ends up with sort of, of course, I send nude photos, right? Because mm. this is how I get attention. This is how I get affirmation. This is how my friends say they like me. And that's, that's what, that's really scary. And you make such a great point there. You know, I, I think that these become the dangerous subtleties of social media that parents don't realize. Like why all of a sudden is my kid emulating behavior that, I mean, this is not normal in our household. Like our family doesn't behave this way. A mom Mm. might say, well, I don't dress that way. Or a dad might say, I don't talk like that to women. And, but yeah, our kids are consuming information that begins to have a very normalizing Mm -hmm. effect on them that Mm -hmm. they think this is just acceptable behavior. But as you rightly point out, Matt, it doesn't just stay at those levels, which for me, it's, it's already too much, but it starts to Mm. grow. Exactly. And and that's, that's such a good point. The, what we consume shapes us, Mm. right? What we consume shapes us. And if parents aren't thinking about what their kids are consuming, then they're not thinking about how their kids are being shaped. And man, I, you said something at the beginning that was so important, which is that sometimes I feel like I'm the only one parenting, right? Mm. It's like, well, just, it's not, 
uh, healthy, being healthy with how you use technology is not normal right now, mm-hmm. right? I'm not sure I'm a healthy tech user, right? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I really like my phone. It's mm-hmm. with me all the time. Uh, <laughs> right. My my wife will leave. <laughs> she'll leave her phone in the car when we go in to uh you know to to see people, and it. I think, well, what in the world are you doing? You feel you anxious. Your phone. And then I, <laughs> yeah, and it's like, wait, but I don't. You know, I, all of my friends are in this room. I'm gonna go be with them. I don't need yeah. my phone, right? And yeah. it's, it's, so I'm not sure I'm a healthy tech user. And to think what these devices are doing to a 12 year old, a 13 year old. Mm-hmm. I mean, half of American 11 year olds now have a smartphone. Wow. Wow. What's that going to do to us? Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we run out of time here, Matt, let's kind of get a little bit deeper into the weeds here about Canopy and how our listeners who right now are, man, they want to be vigilant. They want to protect their kids. They're not willing to just hand their kids over to the culture in any form or fashion. Um, What do they need to know about Canopy to get started or to expand their research? Great question. They can go to canopy.us. That's our website, canopy.us. Mm-hmm. And you can learn more about Canopy. But also, we have a great blog that has information about how to talk to your kids about some of these things, how to set up parental controls on Hulu, right? Maybe on your smart TV. Because we really believe in not just, you know, we're not just selling something, we're trying to help parents succeed mm-hmm. in a new, in a very strange time. Yeah. So there are a bunch of resources there. So go to canopy.us. Uh, and then, look, we give everybody a 30-day free trial because we want people to try it out. Right? We're not the right solution for every family. I think we're the right solution for a lot of families. And so we really recommend people go to canopy.us, um, kick the tires, check it out. It takes about 15 <laughs> minutes to really yeah. set it out, to set it up right. Um, and look, I think that the chances are uh, if, if Canopy is working, it's going to prevent kids from doing some things that kids will want to do. Right. Yes. It's like yes. t- training a kid to put a helmet on when they're riding a bike. Mm-hmm. They're not happy about it. But mm-hmm. you know what? They will thank you later. Mm-hmm. And so, man, Canopy is a great tool. It's not a perfect tool. And chances are that a, a good kid isn't going to be excited to have Canopy on their phone. But they will <laughs> thank you later because, you know, you're, you're being the parent. You're protecting yeah. your yeah. kid. Awesome. Yeah, no, this is really good. So I, I heard you mention, and I just want to make sure that, that all of our listeners understand this and that we understand it as well. So it works on phones, works on devices, works on computers, and then you even mentioned TV. Uh, so Canopy doesn't work on TV. Thank you for doesn't asking. It doesn't work on TV. Um, okay. It doesn't, it doesn't work with smart TVs. It works on your smartphone. It works on your computers. And it works on your tablets. Um, But we do, you know, if you do want to set up parental controls on some of those smart TVs, we have some like how to's to help you kind of navigate things like that as well. Because, again, we're here to try to I believe in defense in depth. Right. Uh, Use Canopy, but also use the default parental controls on that phone. Use Mm -hmm. that. Use the YouTube's parental controls. Use everything. Because what you want to do is make sure there are multiple layers of protection between your child and the worst thing on the Internet. That's so good. good. Matt, I'm wondering if off the top of your head, you have some testimonials that you can share with us, maybe getting some feedback from parents, Um, even if that includes the kid maybe not liking it in the beginning. But um, have you found, you know, any any flies on the sticky trap? Like what what has (laughs) Canopy discovered? I I had a I had a strange interaction with a um, with a local teenager. Um, I was putting it and I met them socially and they asked me what I did. And I said that I worked at Canopy and they said, Oh no, you're, you're, you work at Canopy, man, you've, 
you've ruined my life. I can't watch Mulan anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. I thought, that's amazing. I just gave myself a big pat on the back. Um, is that I, <laughs> I apparently ruined a teenager's life by uh, preventing funny. them from watching porn whenever they want to. Wow. So I thought that was a huge win. Um, and one of the other ones, and this is, you know, we're really built for families, right? We're really mm-hmm. built for families to protect kids and really to prevent. But some some people are using canopy uh, for for adult men, especially or just adults of a period mm-hmm. who struggle with addiction mm-hmm. to pornography. Mm-hmm. And um, one one testimony we heard recently is helped save their marriage wow. because this is the first time that they've had a tool that could prevent reliably one of the partners who's addicted. Uh, from accessing this stuff. And that was just, they were so relieved and grateful that they had a tool that could finally help them do the hard heart work of really addressing this problem. And so that was, that was something that, I mean, that's not what we set out to do, but it's really fun to see things like that happen. Oh, it's so good. Matt, thank mm. you so much for your time. Thank I really you. appreciate it. I appreciate all of this information. I appreciate the work that you guys are doing um, just to help uh, parents protect their kids. It's not easy. And I think we have a huge learning curve because what we don't realize, mm. it's like you said um, when you started in the in the second segment, um, you said, I'm not as smart as, a, I think you said, a determined 16-year-old at like 2 a.m. Right. And I've been able to find <laughs> things like, like that just really creates a picture, right? Like you, I think every parent mm. understands and almost sort of like, you know, white knuckles in that moment where they're like, oh, Lord, please, mm. you know, because you don't mm. want your kid to want to right. stumble upon things. And, but the reality is that we know that this world getting draws so, so much Go harder. Ahead, like yes. they're, they're pressing the world is pressing so much with these images and these things, you know, and, it, mm. and it's good to know that you have tools out there like this that you can use, you know, because uh, like you said, th- these are not replacing parents, but it's putting tools in the hands of parents to be able to do a better job and in, in, in monitoring what's going on. So I, I think it's great. Absolutely. Matt, thank you so much. We really appreciate this time. Matt Gore, Senior Director of Strategy and Operations at Canopy, and the website is canopy.us, canopy.us. I just want to recommend that all of our listeners go there and at least check it out, start doing some research, start trying to figure out if this is something that might work for your family. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, really appreciate Matt and and the team over there at Canopy. You know, one of the things I wanted to say, even um, before we wrapped up the show, is I was thinking about um, how we have to be vigilant you know, how we have to really like just kind of have our feet Mm -hmm. flat (laughs) and have our feet planted because the enemy does not take a holiday. Yeah. Right. And and I I think on all fronts, every time you look around and I, I have joked about this in the past, but it's just the reality that every time you look around, it feels like you're trying to block a soccer ball like a goalie that's it. You're like a goalie, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. know? And, and, and I would say this, um, I would say in the current cultural climate, mm-hmm. that which is considered traditional maybe needs to be rethought. Mm. And so I would strongly caution parents to, in this sense, like, you know, think about what some of our traditions are in America. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Because not everything that is tradition is good right, and is to right. be held on to. So here's the point that I'm making. There are so many times where we're like, well, you know, um, our kids, they all have this. So it's part of American tradition that you don't want your kid to be the one who doesn't mm. like, you know, every it's yeah. just kind of who we are. Like we're we look at the neighbor. If the neighbor does, then 
well, then I'm going to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I've been saying, and, and I know this seems um, like the definition of fuddy-duddy, but <laughs> if if your kid doesn't need a phone, yeah, why, don't get your kid a phone. One. I didn't have just one until college. Yeah, but that's you're <laughs> I know, sore. but still, I'm just you saying, didn't, I didn't you know, I didn't really need it. You know, we also saying? had like pagers. So I mean I think a kid be I like, didn't even what? have that. Well I was a <laughs> certain. Let people me had be that. clear. I was a residence <laughs> hall advisor and that was our mode of contact when they wanted to get to you immediately. All right. <laughs> just to make sure that we're all clear here. What I'm saying is that you don't have to do what everyone around you yeah. is doing. Yeah. We're not trying to be the best parent by this culture's definition. We're trying to honor the Lord. That's right. Be vigilant. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.